everybody, this is Townsend. I'm a singer, songwriter, musician, and mental health advocate, and I started the You're Not Alone project and podcast to help educate, spread awareness, and simply help you feel a little less alone, no matter what you're going through. Thank you so much for tuning in to Season 2 of You're Not Alone with Townsend. Be sure to click the follow button and share these stories. You can also watch the interviews on our YouTube under Townsend T Music. You can also keep up with the journey if you follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Townsend T Music. Every like, follow, and share helps us continue to change lives. Good morning, everybody. It is You're Not Alone with Townsend. I'm really excited today. I've got a special guest, Dr. Song. I have seen her on social media, and I love what she's doing. So she's got healthy kids, happy kids, and she's kind of integrating like a functional medicine type outlook for parents. And it's almost like conventional pediatrics and functional medicine all in one. Am I wording that correctly? You are. That's perfect. <laughs> awesome. Perfect. And, and I love it so much. I love the holistic view that you have. And so I wanted to have you on just to kind of chat about it. I have a ton of followers, obviously, that have children and want to dive more into that. But we focus more on mental health. So I was so excited to get your outlook on that. So I appreciate you joining me. Now, you're located in California. I am. Yep. In the Bay Area, Northern California. Well, let's go ahead and hop in. Okay. Let's introduce you. Who is Dr. Song? What is your specialty? Tell us a little bit about about yourself? Well, well, you got it. I'm, uh, right. <laughs> I grew up in New Jersey. I'm a Jersey girl and okay. um, I made my way out to California for my undergrad here at Stanford, kind of hopped around the country. Well, coast to coast, really Stanford. Then I did my med school at MIU back at UCSF for my pediatrics residency. And I stayed here. I uh, so you explained perfectly what I do. I am a conventionally trained pediatrician. I've been to trained at some amazing, you know, academic centers. Um, and um, there is also a way to uh, expand that knowledge to an even more comprehensive approach for our kids. So I integrate conventional pediatrics. We're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, uh, but I integrate uh, conventional pediatrics with holistic nutrition, functional medicine, homeopathy, herbs. I, I actually do acupuncture on kids as well and teach parents how to use acupressure points and essential oils. So I kind of get the, the best of all worlds. And so um, it's a great way to practice. It's a great way to really see kids thrive. Absolutely. I love that so much. And I love your social media. You get on and you get these little daily tips and these little um, just things that people, parents are striving for more information and it's hard to find. You don't know what to believe. You get all this almost false news on the internet. You know, you Google something and it's like you're dying. You could have yeah. a runny nose yes. and it goes to your dying. So I love that you do these little pinpoints for adults just on your social media. You know, hey, here's a little something for this. Here's a little something for this. Pay attention to these allergies. So I appreciate you going above and beyond and doing that. It's really oh, neat to see. You. Yeah, absolutely. So what yeah, I mean, you? I'm a mom too. So I'm all about practical tips. Yes. Um, I only I only recommend what I actually do for my own kids and for my patients. And I make sure it's doable. Um, and without fear, right? We got to get rid that. of all the fear. Absolutely. Now, how old are your kids? You... My kids now are their tweens. They are 13 and 11. So a whole different set of challenges now than when they were yeah. younger. Bless <laughs> you. <laughs> Bless you. Goodness. Here comes the attitude and <laughs> the right, cold the shoulder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Bless you. Okay. So what, what got you into pediatrics? Have you always known you wanted to work with children? 
I did. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Um, I've always known I want to work with kids. I mean, I was I was a, you know an avid babysitter. I loved playing with little kids, and I didn't really know what that meant uh, because my mom, you know, was an OBGYN, and so watching her growing up in the medical field, that was the last thing I wanted to do. I was like, I'm not going to be a doctor, <laughs> and so I wasn't sure. I I thought I was going to be a teacher. Um, and then I really, you know, for me, advocacy and making a difference in, in, on a broader scale is really important. So I kind of switched gears and I was going to become a civil rights lawyer. Mm-hmm. And I actually did several internships in Washington, D.C. for the Children's Defense Fund. And I was going to be lobbying on Capitol Hill yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, fighting for education and healthcare rights for kids. Um, and advocacy and, you know, broader public policy is still a really important uh, part of, of you know, who I identify with and, and, you know, what I want to bring to the world. Um, but I realized in college that that wouldn't, I wouldn't really be working with children yeah. and, you know, children bring me joy to see them day in and day out. And so I kind of pivoted gears and I, I went back senior year and I thought, you know what, this doctor thing, it's, it's not too bad. <laughs> So then I, I actually did all of my pre-med uh, work my senior year at college and uh, went on to become a pediatrician. Wow. What an interesting story. And I love that. I love that you're into lobbying and advocating because children can't do it themselves. We are their right. voice. And so right. that is so honorable. I love it so much. I want to focus on your holistic point of view. So for people that don't know, I feel like this is a term that's kind of coming around more and more. So what does holistic actually mean and why did you choose that route? Yeah. So, you know, that's a great question because holistic can mean a lot of different things to different people and really and truly all pediatricians should be holistic, meaning that we should look at this child in front of us in the context of their whole family, friend group, you know, social community group. Um, And so we really do, we can't take that child in isolation, right? Just like you said, I mean, they don't, they really don't have their own voice. And so we need to take that child in the context of how they're living and who they're living with. Now, holistic also means though, and I've moved more towards saying integrative because it's really this this merging of, um, you know, what we, the benefits of conventional pediatrics. We know interventions like um, antibiotics can be life-saving, but now we also understand, well, gosh, there are all these unintended consequences that now we're finding out from antibiotics, um, you know, that we in integrative pediatrics and functional medicine know how to mop up so we can get the benefits of using antibiotics when they're absolutely necessary, have alternatives when maybe there are some other options, and when antibiotics are necessary, clean up the gut microbiome, which is so much about, you know, we're going to be diving into mental health and kids, but, um, you know, when we think about mental health and kids and adults, we have to think of it as not just a brain problem, but a gut brain issue. So, um, so really, really so important to take this integrative holistic approach, especially when it comes to mental health. And, you know, we, we know the pandemic has, has just spiraled the mental health crisis that already existed for children and teenagers. And it's just getting worse. And, you know, as we're recording this May is mental health awareness month and children's mental health awareness week is coming up. And, um, it's a, it's a, you know, and especially, um, poignant uh, time for me because my best friend from college, her birthday is coming up in May and she died by suicide in her early twenties. 
And so, you know, this is this is a, a month of remembrance and a month of um, awareness and a month of, you know, really trying to celebrate the life that we have and teaching children and parents how to do that. It's so important. Yeah, I love that so much, so much. And that's one thing, you know, I found playing music. I do music full time. And I found that people, we all really want the same thing right? We want to be happy when we want to be healthy. And I feel like mental health is such a big point of that. But you made a great point. It has to do with your whole body. And I actually interviewed somebody not too long ago that talked about the same thing you just mentioned. It's not just a brain. It is your whole body. And you have to look at the whole body and kind of evaluate each part of that. So I love that you look at it that way as well. Because, you know, some people just throw medicine at it, which of course is needed in some cases. But I love that you like the holistic view. You look at the whole person, their environment, everything that has to do with that. So I really respect that for sure. I want to personally thank you for taking the time to listen to these conversations. It truly means so much. We've changed so many lives for the better, and we want to continue doing so throughout 2023. This project is made possible by sponsors and patrons. So if you'd like to help keep the You're Not Alone project going and hearing these amazing stories, we would love for you to join the family at patreon.com slash Townsend T Music. Just for signing up, you'll get free merch, discounts, and behind-the-scenes patron-only footage, not only of my music, but of each episode. That's right, so each guest on every episode answers a few more questions that only patrons will be able to watch and listen to. So head on over to patreon.com slash Townsend Team Music, and let's continue changing lives. Let's go ahead and hop into children and mental health. This is a huge topic, something I get asked questions about all the time. Like I said, a lot of my listeners have kids and they are just at a loss. They have no idea. Um, we always hear that kids are resilient. Oh, they'll be fine. They're resilient. Oh, that happened. It was tragic, but they're resilient. So when and what should we pay attention to maybe regarding mental health with young kids? Because that's about all people know is they're resilient. Yeah. And, that's it. and, you know, this idea of resilience, we have to understand, too, that our children, um, you know, and this is not to put any more, you know, guilt on mamas than we already have. Oh, sure. <laughs> but our children take cues from us, their parents, on how they should interpret what is going on around them, right? And, you know, as we're coming out of this pandemic, the pandemic has had silver linings for many. It's also had a lot of tragedies for many. And, um, you know, children have taken a huge toll. Um, single moms, single working moms have taken a huge toll. And we know that for um, many children, the pandemic will, will become or is what's called an adverse childhood event, an ACE, right? And these ACEs, A-C-E, those traumatic events that happen during childhood can actually set the stage for increased risk for virtually all chronic health diseases as an adult. So it's really important to understand that even these, these quote traumas that we feel like, oh, you know, kids are going to get over it. They're resilient. Um, we want to make sure that we're paying attention to how children are responding. The first thing is really, you know, that, that cliche saying that, you know, we have to, as parents put our own um, oxygen mask on first, um, we have to learn how to be resilient ourselves. And that's something that we as, as children didn't necessarily learn. 
Right. Right. And so, you know, it is really important as as we're helping our children through their mental health struggles um, that we look inside and think, well, what what is it that's unresolved in me? You know, what is it that I haven't learned how to process and manage so that then I can help my child process and manage? Um, And, you know, what are some of the red flags that your child might be going through something that needs to be addressed? It's, It's if you see a change that's not going away. I mean, we all have crabby days or anxious days or. Um, you know, explosively angry days. I mean, we have those days, right? Yeah. That you notice that you're thinking, well, it's not, I, you know, I thought it was just a phase, but now, you know, a month later, two months later, three months later, you know, they were so outgoing and, you know, they had all of these friends and all of a sudden now they don't want to talk to anybody. They're in their room, you know, they just want to read or they just want to be on their screen. Um, or, you know, a kid who used to be maybe um, more, more fearful, you know, wanting to stay home more, all of a sudden not wanting to do anything at home and, and being out, you know, to all hours of the night, a change that you're like, well, it's different, right? And so then you want to just open up the, the lines of communication with your child. You want to ask the questions, right? The other thing that, you know, as we think about, um, you know, the suicide attempts have gone up, you know, since during the pandemic um, right. for children, especially teenagers, teenage girls. And um, we got to ask the questions, Right. If you're really worried about your kids and your teenagers and you're worried that they're self-harming or that they're at risk for self-harming, you have to ask them, hey, look, are you thinking about hurting yourself? Are you have you thought about actually, you know, ending your life? I mean, we want to be really direct um, for our teenagers, not for our little ones, right? Our sure, little ones are sure. not really thinking, but I'm I'm thinking more our teenagers because that's really where we're seeing this, you know, this tragic, you know, uh, epidemic unfolding. Um, in depression and anxiety. And we know that by the time kids are 18, I mean, almost half of them are going to be diagnosed with some sort of mental health disorder. So, you know, we want to very early on, from the moment they're taught, you know, toddlers are talking or babies and frustrated, give them those emotion words and say, hey, look, oh, wow, I see you're really frustrated about not being able to do X, Y, and Z. How can I help? Let's see how we can work through this, not fix it for them, but work with them to come up with solutions for themselves so they feel empowered that they know how to do that. That's a a silly little thing. It's kind of thinking about putting the puzzle piece, you know, into the shape sorter. But kids learn that they can overcome struggles from even that early stage, right? They learn that they can do it within themselves and they don't need mommy or daddy to fix everything for them. Right. And that is very, very important to learn. Yeah, I love that so much. I feel like a lot of parents get in that, especially my generation, my friends with a lot of kids, they want to fix everything. They don't want to see their child hurt. And it's I mean, it's like so hard. It's, yeah. I'm not going to lie. It's like it's the hardest thing in the world to step back. And especially if I mean, as kids get older and then you know, there, there are some kids who are not very kind and you, know, you see your, your child, you know, being the brunt of it and so hard not to just sit there and, um, you know, want to say, well, that kid should have done blah, 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 you know, and try to, and, and I'm going to talk to their mom. And, yeah. <laughs> but, oh, you know, okay. it, the, the more we can help children um, learn the tools to advocate for themselves, to overcome their struggles successfully, even though it's hard, they learn that they can do the hard things. Um, and that, um, that um, stress doesn't have to be terrible. Yeah. I love that so much. And it's going to happen through life. Stresses happen. So having those tools early on in your toolkit, as they call it, that you can get out with age. I love that. And I think that's incredibly important. Okay. 
what are some of the most common things you see with children and mental health? You know, the ones that come to my mind are um, fears, maybe some kind of attachment issue when they go to school and they have an attachment with their mom, the anxieties, but what is really the most common thing that you see in your practice? I mean, you nailed it. I would say, you know, the separation anxiety, which has to do with the attachment, you know, the anxieties, um, you know, perseverating on worries and, um, you know, the what ifs. I mean, that's very, very common. And it doesn't mean that there's something necessarily wrong with your child. It's when that attachment, you know, separation anxiety or when those, um, those, um, obsessive, you know, perseverative worries start to impact your child's ability to attend school or function or, you know, be with their friends um, that, that we really want to uh, pay a lot closer attention. Even before they get to that point, though, then we want to, you know, be aware if they're having trouble separating, um, let's say in preschool, right? They're, you know, you think, okay, the first couple of weeks, sure, they're getting used to it. But then even the third week, fourth week, the second month, they're holding on to your legs, screaming, crying, and, you know, the teacher's peeling them off of you. And, you know, first we want to make sure they're in a safe environment, that right. this is the right sure. fit, that, that there's nothing going on with an appearance school. Um, and if you kind of rolled out all of that, then we want to work with that school. You know, most teachers are awesome in this way to plan out, okay, how can we um, help your child feel successful separating from you, even if it's just for a moment each day, a little longer each day. Um, but I would say, you know, it, it you know, this, um, the, uh, the overwhelm, right? It's the overwhelm of whatever's going on. Um, that, um, that is what I see very commonly. And that overwhelm can build up and up and up until, you know, middle school, it's the, the, friends and the social stuff and the homework and the, you know, whatever family pressures or whatever it is. So there's this overwhelm. And then for kids who haven't learned how to um, get those tools to manage that, um, what's, what's the most common thing that parents and kids do when they have stress or stressors? We avoid them right? Mm-hmm. Avoidance is our number one coping mechanism. And avoidance is the biggest, the fastest way to have the elephant in the room get bigger, 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 bigger until all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, how did we get here with my child? Or how do we get here with me? Right? And so, you know, there's something that I call the, the um, I don't call it this, it's called <laughs> the, the optimal performance curve, the stress performance curve. And I talk to kids about it. I talk to parents about it because stress in our society has become the new four letter word, right? You know, oh, you have stress. Oh my gosh, we don't want any stress in our life. That's actually not true. You know, stress, a positive amount of stress helps us to get stuff done, right? If we don't have the stress of a deadline, the stress of, oh, I have to do X, Y, and Z, um, I'm responsible for this, so I should get it done. I mean, would we ever get anything done? No, right? That's like, we've all had deadlines where, you know, you're like, oh, it's a month away, it's two months away, and you kind of wait, wait, wait. And then all of a sudden, the week before, you're like, oh my gosh. Oh no, absolutely. I'm having flashbacks of college. That's right. And, and then you get it done, right? So this optimal performance curve, you know, here on this, on the bottom end, you know, it's like this bell-shaped curve, okay, where this bottom here is um, the amount of stress and the top here is your performance. So low stress, you're not performing very well, right? 
you get bored, you get apathetic, you're like, why bother with anything? You might feel depressed a little bit, right? Then we have a little more stress, that deadline's coming up, and all of a sudden you hit this sweet spot where you're like, okay, I'm in the zone. I'm focused, I'm getting stuff done, right? And that stress is actually um, pulling you towards success, right? Then if you have the soccer tournament and, you know, the school play and your homework and, you know, parents getting divorced and friend drama, right? All of a sudden now you have stress way over here and now it's too much, right? You get burnt out, you get tired, you get irritable, you get angry. So I, you know, that is to just explain to parents and kids, stress isn't bad, right? We want a healthy amount of stress, but it's how much stress. So if you're here on this level of like really high stress, low performance, what can you let go in your life? You know, what busyness can we slow down on, right? Um, And how can I manage that stress that I have more effectively? So I get back here to this kind of peak performance, like in the zone, right? That's, That's where we've all had it, right? We're all like, okay, I'm cracking down. And you know, you kind of pull out that exam, you know, that final exam paper in like two hours, right? You're like, oh my gosh, how did I get that done? Right? But you're, you're in that flow state, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel like this may be just me, but I feel like stress has become so much more overwhelming since, since technology. I feel like now you've got, you know, influences and you've, whether positive or negative, I feel like mostly it's negative. You're comparing yourself. You're constantly, for adults, you're constantly on call 24 seven. You can get emails, you can get texts, you get phone calls. Whereas it used to be, you left work at work, but for kids, you're constantly looking at the screen and comparing. So would you say stress is even at a higher max, I guess now with 2023? Yeah. I mean, 1000%, you know, even some of the studies have shown that, um, I mean, we know, I mean, virtually all studies show that I mean, kids or adults, when you get on your screen and scroll through your social media, you, you, you end up feeling worse than when you started, right. About yourself, right. Your self-esteem kind of goes down. And, you know, the, one of the more recent studies found that, um, there's sort of this, this spike in that kind of low self-esteem resulting from social media, and, you know, it's in the younger years and then sometimes like the tween years, it, it gets a little better. And then, you know, right as you're heading out of high school, that kind of older teenage years, it plummets, right? Your, your social, you know, your self-esteem plummets and your self-confidence plummets, um, you know, really most likely is a direct result of that social media, kind of that scrolling. Um, and we know that the, you know, the scrolling and the quick, you know, the uh, stimulation, the video games, all of that, um, it changes the way our brain gets wired. And so that we need to have this sort of quick, 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 instant, you know, I need that instant hit. I need that instant gratification. I need that instant feedback. And you see it. I mean, I had, I mean, I, you know, my, my nephew, he's awesome, but I remember, you know, as a teenager going out to lunch with him and sitting there watching him and he couldn't stop kind of, you know, I mean, his whole body was kind of vibrating. And then of course there'd be like a sting, whatever, every like two seconds. And he's like constantly during, during lunch, like looking at his phone, typing back, looking I'm like, Hey dude, yeah. we're at lunch, right? Your friends can wait. It's okay. Like yeah. they're not, not going to hate you. If you, you know, take five minutes, 20 minutes to eat. Right. Yeah. Um, but that's what a lot of kids are doing. They're just used to this. And so when we think about facing our worries in a productive way, Facing our worries and getting those tools requires the ability to be still and process those worries, right? So if your brain is 
and like constantly going, there's not a moment to be still and think about, okay, wow, what, you know, what Johnny said to me was really impactful and it's really stressing me out and, you know, how do I manage it, right? So then we then push it to the back of our minds because we're just so busy, busy, busy with everything else. So I do think it's a, it is a big concern because our kids now, um, and, and adults too, right? You see it. And, and I'm not going to say I'm perfect. Yeah. I mean, I've had plenty of times where, you know, I'm trying to get work done. And of course, like you said, you bring it home now because you have constant access to your emails and to your whatever. And my kids have been like, mom, can you put your phone away? And I'm like, oh my gosh. Yes. I got to practice what I preach. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You get called out and you think, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And here I was. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like of course, I'm speaking as an adult, but doing music and doing this podcast, you're always keeping up with the Joneses. And it's really interesting to hear you say, especially kids. I had this argument. I won't say argument. We had this conversation on a family trip with my niece. She's 13, 14, like that teen age. And she really wants social media. And so we were telling her all the pros and cons of it. And we were like, you're really not missing out but she sees her mom and her aunts and uncles and all these people staring at their phones. So she feels left out. And then you try to explain, but really it doesn't make you feel good. And then you think, why am I on it all the time? If it's just bringing down my, so it's a crazy cycle. It's addictive, but it's not a positive addiction. No. And you know, one of the things that, that we've, I mean, my children now have phones and I always thought I would wait till they were in eighth grade, but um, you know, through the pandemic, they started, um, you know, going downtown with their friends um, at 10 and 12 years of age as a way to, you know, keep in touch socially, you know, connected, even when we were, you know, in remote schooling, it was was tough, right? So they have phones, um, they don't have social media. And um, one of the things that we've, we've implemented, and I think it's so helpful for parents and kids to do this is just to say that the car is a cell phone free zone. Right, because what happens then, I mean, what if you're a parent of a tween or a teen with the phone, I mean, the second you start driving, everyone's like even your kids, if you're driving their friends, they're all like on their phones yes. and no one's talking to each other, joking Absolutely. around, hanging out, you know, whatever having conversations, right? And they may even be texting each other when they're sitting right next to each yeah. other. <laughs> right. So so you know, that you miss out on that social connection. And I'm not gonna say that all, you know, screens are bad because one of the things that's really important is what uh, what um, impact does it have on that social connection? And so in the car, you just say, look, my car, we don't have the phones. And just watch and see the conversations. I mean, it's amazing. Or if it's your kids, right? I mean, I love the conversations now that I have with my kids, even on that 10 minute drive to school, right? That, that you are missing out on if they're just stuck, you know, nose to their screens, yeah. right? Um, and, and honestly, it's it's a little trick, right? For if you really want to get your tweens and teens to talk with you, chances are they'll tell you more <laughs> if you're not looking at them eye to eye, <laughs> right? <laughs> if they're in the back seat and they're like, oh yeah, and you're just kind of casually having this conversation, right? Or, you know, my son and my daughter, sometimes, you know, they're having a conversation. I'm just kind of eavesdropping and listening right. in and you're like, and you find out a lot more. <laughs> yeah, right? I have never thought about that. You know, you you try to be really intentional eye to eye, but that's so true. There's so much less um, almost stress. Like you feel like somebody's mm-hmm. judging you and it's just kind of passive conversation. Very good. So, I love yeah, that. I mean, it's, it's more, um, you know, uh, even for kids, I mean, just taking them out. I mean, a lot of kids don't necessarily like to hike, but if you go for a walk, right, oftentimes you'll have 
better conversations when you're kind of side by side, just walking along, yeah. chit-chatting, yeah. as opposed to, you know, kids feeling like, okay, what's going on? Why is mom grilling me? Right? Why is mom <laughs> staring at me? I don't understand. Yeah, absolutely. I love that so much. Okay. So what are things, you know, we talked about, I love the conversation. I love that. I'm going to take that for myself. Conversation just in the car, you know, you don't have to be face to face and make it feel like mm -hmm. such a serious ordeal. I love that yeah. one. What are some other things parents can do to help build a child's mental health or strength or development in a better word? Yeah. So the, the first thing I'm going to say is, is actually more to do with, with um, your child's diet and lifestyle. Okay. Right? I love I that. Mean, we, again, we have to take your child's mental health in the context of the fact that if they already showing anxiety or separation fears or, um, you know, OCD tendencies, depression, you got to start with their gut and what's going on and, you know, what's going into their bodies. Because what most people don't uh, recognize and understand is that the gut microbiome, right? Your probiotics in your gut make up to 80 to 90% of all of our serotonin wow. right? and other okay. neurotransmitters. Now, serotonin, we know when you have depression or anxiety, oftentimes, you know, you're prescribed an SSRI medicine, right? A seroto selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor to try to trick your brain into thinking that there's more serotonin around than, than there actually is, right? So we're, we're addressing this, this serotonin deficiency or insufficiency. But instead of thinking, oh, I need a medicine for that, which sometimes we do, right? I mean, absolutely. Sure. But we want to think, okay, why is that serotonin so low in the first place? And almost always it's because something's going on in the gut that your probiotics are balanced and they're not making enough serotonin for you. So making sure that we're feeding our gut microbiome. And in fact, there are particular probiotic supplements that are called psychobiotics that help build up optimal levels of serotonin and dopamine, right? Yeah, now, if your kids are older and they're like mine and they're going to, you know, the, the pharmacy or to, you know, the grocery store, they're picking up snacks. You want to teach them and just educate them. They're going to make their choices, but you want them to make informed choices and say, hey, look, you've been, you've been telling me that you have all these worries, that you're overwhelmed, that you're stressed, that you can't sleep. Well, you know, some of the foods that you're choosing, they might have an impact, right? Just know, right? Anything with artificial, like you teach them to read the labels. Anything that has artificial, like red dye, three, blue lake, whatever. Yeah. You know, the studies have shown that those can increase worries and attention and focus issues, right? You know, show them that, you know, teach them how to read the labels and look at, you know, the amount of added sugar that could be really impacting their brain and their gut. And, um, you know, it's just to educate them because you're not going to be in control of all of their food choices once they're out of the home. But you can help empower them and educate them so that they can understand, all right, well, I chose to get the Takis and you know, the, the unicorn Starbucks drink. And that the next day is, was horrible. I was stressed. I was crying. I was, I was jittery. I couldn't go outside, right? And so then you help them make that correlation so they know, all right, well, the next time you go out with your friends, what kind of choices do you want to make, right? Yeah. So that's kind of, you know, educating our kids. Now, the other thing that, that is really important is that, um, you know, we as parents need to first learn the tools to manage our own worries, right? So that then we can show our kids how to manage their worries. And so we want to model that for our kids. It's really important. You know, if parents, kids are going to be able to tell like that when they walk in the door, if you're stressed about something. And if you say, oh, nothing, everything's fine, everything then they're going to think that's the way they should deal with their stress, right? If they're stressed, 
then they think, oh, I shouldn't talk about it. Yeah. No, it's okay, mom. Everything's fine. Right. And so showing them, you know, mom had a really rough day. I'm just, I'm, I'm working through this, right. I'm feeling, you know, kind of anxious. I'm feeling, I'm feeling a little upset right now. Um, and then learn some tools, whether it's you now cognitive behavioral tools. I mean, not just going to therapy, but you can learn CBT tools, which is the, the um, preferred form of therapy for teenagers with anxiety. Um, learning how to do breath work and mindfulness exercises to get yourself centered again, get yourself, it's really important when you're kind of stressed and anxious, you got to get out of fight or flight mode, right? When you're in that, like, oh my gosh, I'm so anxious. I'm so worked up. And you're, then you, you think you're, or, you're, or your child's like that. And you think in that moment that your child can calmly tell you what's going on in their brain, yeah. it's not going to happen, right? No so you need to get out of that alarm state, out of the like, oh my gosh, there's a saber-toothed tiger chasing me into that okay, my heart rate's slower, my breath is slower, now I can process and think, right? And you can do that with breath work and different mindfulness exercises, it's really important. And there are some apps, I mean, some of the apps that I really like, um, there's one called um, Oak, like the Oak Tree, that's a breathing, you know, mindfulness app that actually a 12-year-old kid told me about. Um, I love Insight Timer, um, Insight Timer is a, it's a free meditation app. There's free meditations from experts around the world. Um, and there's a five minute breathing meditation that I, that I, you know, will have kids download and save on their phones if they have their phones out parents too. I'm like, you know what? Five minutes, right? If you don't have time for five minutes, it's because you don't want to, right. right? We all have time for five minutes, right? I'm not saying an hour of meditation, right? Um, and so, and then, you know, other tools um, that, that I would recommend, um, you know, learning those CBT tools, um, really important. There's a, there's a child psychologist, her name is Dawn um, Hebner, and she spells it H-U-E-B-N-E-R. Back in the, you know, like 20 some odd years ago, she wrote um, a series of quote, self-help books called the What to Do series. Her first book was What to Do When You Worry Too Much. It's like a little workbook that you go through. You can do it with your kids. It's amazing. You know, for, you know, maybe younger, like maybe six to eight years of age, all the way maybe to 12 to 13. I mean, I use some of the tools in there too. I mean, anyone could use them. You do it with your kids. She's got, you know, books, uh, other books in that series are what to do when you dread your bed, what to do when your temper flares, what to do when you grumble too much. Um, she has an, um, she has a book for older kids, teenagers who want a little more of the science of what's going on in their brain um, called outsmarting worry. And again, it's very practical. It teaches kids these CBT tools so that we know it's hard to find a therapist right now. I mean, there's there, everyone's booked out and, you know, tons of wait lists. So you can learn these tools with your child and they can learn them on their own. Um, and her latest series of books is called the um, um, mini books about mighty fears. So anyhow, I love, she's, she's a good friend at this point. Um, I love all of her work. It's she's, she makes, um, CBT tools accessible to any child and any teenager. So that I would hands out if you have a child who has worries or behavioral concerns or sleep issues or, you know, um, temper tantrums, then, um, then you'll want to get your hands on her box. Love that. Very good. Yeah, absolutely. I have um, parents looking for things all the time. So I'll definitely add that to, you know, my collection, my library of references that <laughs> I give out to people. I love that. Now, I want to say you talked about the gut which I love. And we talked about screen time and how it's addictive. Something I found incredibly interesting, you posted about sugar intake. 
and how it has just skyrocketed with our generation. And I can't, I don't remember the exact number, but it's something crazy. Like back in the day, they used to have five pounds of sugar in a year. And now it's like 50 pounds of sugar in a year. Well, we can, so, you know, there's also, if you look at it per day, right, this is now like, you know, 200 years ago, sugar is not like the all evil, right? I mean, people love sugar, but there are things like honey. And so 200 years ago, we were eating, um, you know, around two teaspoons of added white sugar a day, you know, things like breads and, you know, whatever baked goods. Um, Nowadays, that number, the average American has 17 teaspoons of white sugar a day. Um, kids are worse. They have about 19 teaspoons of sugar a day. And the American Heart Association now knowing how much sugar causes, you know, is linked with the risk of virtually every chronic disease in adulthood, mm-hmm. um, recommends that kids get no more than about like no more than six teaspoons of added sugar a day. Now you think, oh, well, how could they be getting that? Right. Well, I'll tell you before I started looking at labels, you know, I would, I would buy this, you know, really great organic vanilla Greek yogurt for my kids for breakfast thinking, oh, they're did you know the the probiotics are getting protein they're getting healthy fats, right? Because I would buy the full fat one. And so one day I'm like, huh, I looked at the label and I was like, oh my gosh, wow, there's 31 grams of added sugar in one serving of this vanilla Greek yogurt. Now, what is 31 grams? Well, one one teaspoon is about four grams. So that's right there. What is that? Almost eight teaspoons. Wow. Okay. So I was sending my kids off to school with like eight teaspoons of white sugar. Yeah, like, yeah. Right. And then you wonder, okay, why can't so many kids sit still in class and fidget and, you know, have a hard time being still in their bodies and their brains. And then they're crashing at lunch because now the sugar high has become a sugar low. And then, you know, you you put in the the yogurt squeezy tube because you think, okay, that's protein in it. But then that has now another five teaspoons of sugar. And then like this roller coaster, right? So if we get our kids off of that sugar roller coaster, it's amazing the behavioral changes you can see and the things that we thought were ADHD, ODD, I mean, whatever, whatever initials, like you name it. Now, I'm not going to say that maybe they don't have those, but things are so much better, right? So we don't want to make life an uphill battle for ourselves or for our kids. So, you know, I, I, I look at it not as we've got to look at it, not as depriving our kids, but really giving their bodies and brains a chance to see how can they feel, how good can they feel if we make these little tweaks in their diet? Absolutely. Yeah. Labels, the crazy thing, like the FDA and the food, all these associations, they can trick you with those labels. So you have to be extremely careful. They're allowed to call things that they're not. It's really tricky. So yes, pay attention to labels. I'm still working on that myself because it can be incredibly tricky and hard to read. Um, So what we talked about this a little bit already, but what might self-care look like for a child? So, you know, self-care for a child really stems, I mean, it really comes down to, um, you know, something called self-regulation. You know, how, how can we regulate, kind of get out of that fight or flight, you know, regulate our brains and our bodies, right? And so it's helping kids identify 
when they're getting into that overwhelmed state so that they can say to their teacher, to their parents, to whomever, I need a little break. I need a little time away from myself, right? Call it a timeout, right? I mean, a lot of people have negative connotations with timeouts, but I love timeouts. For yeah, me, that's what right? I'm saying. I would but, take a timeout as an adult. That's right. I would love it. You know, that like the one of the most important things a child can learn how to do is say, I need a little break right now, right? Then they go do whatever breathing, maybe go for a little walk, get some fresh air. Then they come back and they're self, then they're regulated and they can move on with the day. I mean, I think that, and for adults, I'm like that is one of the best things that we can learn how to do instead of get, I mean, you would never sit and, and, you know, want your kid to stay in a situation that's just mounting more and more and more resource. You want them to be able to say, look, why would I stay in this situation that is, you know, not serving me right now? Yes, I need to stay in the classroom, but how about I take a little break, you know, on the side, breathe, or maybe, you know, have a chance to go to the bathroom, get some water on my face, and then I come back. Yeah, I love that. Giving them, like I said, those tools, letting them know, you know what, if it gets too much, take a break, go to the bathroom. I yep. love that. Okay. I always ask my guests, what does self-care look like for you? Um, so self-care for me has looked like different things in Absolutely. Different times in my life, right? <laughs> I feel like they're, yeah, um, I feel I like they're say, seasons. You know, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, right now, self-care for me means prioritizing sleep. Like I am often in bed before the kids. I mean, they, you know, I used to look at their bedtime as yes, I get an hour or two or three of quiet. Yeah. Right. I go to bed at like midnight, one o'clock in the morning. But I still have to get up at, you know, yep. 536 in the morning to get myself ready, get them ready, get breakfast ready, get them out the door, drive them to school. Right. So time doesn't shift just because I want that extra quiet. That's right. <laughs> so Sadly. now, you know, I, I like I am looking, I start getting antsy around like nine o'clock, like I need to get to bed. <laughs> and so when I get to bed on time, you know, when I get that seven to eight hours of sleep at night, I am so much calmer happier, more regulated, not as snappy with the kids, not as, you know, irritated with my husband, right? I mean, everything just goes more smoothly. So like, why wouldn't I want that for myself? Yeah. Right. I mean, and, you know, you think, oh, I want that, that, that extra bit of time. Well, that extra little bit of time to yourself where you're falling asleep on the couch or like maybe having another glass of wine. I mean, it doesn't get you more peace and calm the next day. Yeah. Right. So that. anyhow, that right now, that is my priority. <laughs> I love that. Of, of anyone I've had, no one has said sleep. And that's such a high priority. We should make that such a priority. So yes. I love that yep. you pointed that out. I think I think it gets a label of being lazy. You know, some people are like, I'll go for a hike and I'll do this. But I love that. You know, you get that quiet <laughs> yeah. time in bed. And really, no, oh, as an yeah. adult, oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. you can't get anything better than that. I love it. Yep. That's a great one. Okay. Last thing, and I feel like this is super important. Other than your friend that we talked about earlier, which I am for sure going to put that, like like I said, on my resources shelves, do you have any other good resources for parents maybe navigating this area or trying to learn a little bit more about how to control their child and their mental health and well-being? So, um, yes, there's Don Hebner's books. Um, 
you know, the, um, I do recommend, you know, looking at some of these apps, there's something called tapping emotional freedom technique. Um, and that there's an app called the tapping solution that uses, you know, acupressure points and, yeah. and, uh, different affirmations that really also have to reset the nervous system. So that's, that's a great resource. Okay. Um, you know, right now I've been looking at, I'm just looking up right now, there's an organization that I've been um, I'm actually going to post about um, in honor of my friend, because what I worry about is our, the kids in crisis right now. Yeah. Um, you know, how do we help them get out of crisis? You know, especially kids who are, um, where you're worried, you know, that, yeah. that, um, that they may really, you know, want to end their lives. Um, and, you know, one of the things that came out through the pandemic was that, um, well, I mean, it's not even just our teenagers, right? I mean, in the 10 to 15 year age group, you know, during the pandemic, there were statistics about, you know, the, um, you know, uh, COVID being the 10th leading cause of death for our, our kids, you know, 10 to 15, this younger mm -hmm. age group. So then I looked at the numbers that the CDC was listing as, um, you know, for, um, for other leading causes of death, the eighth leading cause of death in that group was suicide in that young group, mm, mm, mm. in that young group. And then for our youth or our older teenagers and young adults, um, it's a second leading cause of death. Wow, goodness Second gracious. leading cause of death, 17 times more, 23 times more to the young adults um, than you know, your risk of dying from, let's say the flu, mm. right? And then number one is is accidental injury, which we know. I mean, that's often from the risky risky behaviors, right? Right, that are related to your anxiety, and depression. Right. right. So the the other resources, if your kids are really in crisis and your teens are in crisis, um, the there is a national suicide prevention lifeline that you just call nine eight eight. 988. Um, and um, there are resources on the American Psychological Association. There's a National Suicide Prevention Awareness website. So all of these, um, you know, we really just want to make ourselves aware because, you know, I always tell parents and kids knowledge is power. And, you know, getting that knowledge and becoming empowered um, is one of the best ways not to have fear around mental health concerns, but to understand that that we can make choices and we can empower our kids to make choices and we want to support them in all of that. Absolutely. I love that so, so much. Dr. Song, I cannot thank you enough for taking time out of your day to join us. It is such a pleasure and it is an honor to get to share this time with you. I learned so much, so I cannot thank you enough for joining us and just giving all this expertise, all this advice. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Townsend. It's, it's been an honor. Oh, absolutely. Okay, I tell every guest, when you come on here, you basically signed a contract that you've gained a new friend. I love to keep up with my people, so we will be in touch. Please keep in touch. Let me know how it is going in California. And again, just thank you so, so much. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. You got it. Absolutely. All right. Have a good morning. Okay. We'll see you later. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. If you'd like to hear the rest of this interview, visit patreon.com slash Music. And don't forget, you can also watch the interviews on our YouTube channel at Townsend Team Music YouTube. Okay, guys, if you're in the market to buy or sell, I have the perfect company for you. Clark & Co. Realty is located in the Benton, Bryant, Arkansas area. But they're able to serve you no matter where you're located in the state. They've streamlined the process of buying or selling a home to make it so much easier. 
They have a team of industry experts that make sure you have access from anything you can think of. I'm talking from local home inspectors to painters to gardeners and so much more just to provide you with the best service possible. They're dedicated to providing the most up-to-date market data in the area. And I think the coolest part is if you go on their website, you can use their easy-to-use fast property search. You can even create a custom market report to see what's active, under contract, and sold in your neighborhood. Their team is made up of caring, knowledgeable professionals that work around the clock to help you with the process of buying and selling your home. So again, if you're in the market to buy or sell, Clark & Co Realty is definitely the company for you. Tell them Townsend sent you. Let's be honest. I think we could all use somebody to talk to every now and then. Healing Path Counseling in Conway, Arkansas is 100% my go-to when it comes to therapy. Wendy Blackwood has more credentials than letters in the alphabet. She's won awards for her outstanding services and has a whole page of board memberships. Basically, she knows what she's doing. She works hard to help equip you with the tools needed to live your best life. She even offers a variety of services including, but not limited to, cognitive behavioral therapy, technology-assisted counseling, relationship counseling, and EMDR. Trust me, I know therapy can be intimidating at first, but let me assure you, Wendy does her best to make you comfortable and find the best solutions and plans for you. Trust me, don't wait to make the call. Give Wendy Blackwood Healing Path Counseling a call today. Get started on the best version of you. 